Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, my name is Sandy Tutwiler, and I'll be reading from Genesis 45, verses 1 through 8. Joseph could no longer control himself in front of all of his attendants, so he declared, Everyone, leave now. So no one stayed with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians and Pharaoh's household heard him. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father really still alive? His brothers couldn't respond because they were terrified before him. Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they moved closer. He said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold to Egypt. Now don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me here. Actually, God sent me before you to save lives. We've already had two years of famine in the land, and there are another five years left without planting or harvesting. God sent me before you to make sure you'd survive and to rescue your lives in this amazing way. You didn't send me here. It was God who made me a father to Pharaoh, master of his entire household, and ruler of the whole land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sandy, thank you for reading our scripture for us today. Uh, Before I jump into the message, I want to share just a few things. I've had a few people stop me this morning before the service and ask me, why are you dressed up? Well, I get dressed up for church every week. Um, But I'm wearing a robe today because we had the joy and the privilege of baptizing and confirming one of our confirmands from this year's class. We had our confirmation Sunday a few weeks ago, but a prior commitment prevented him from being confirmed that day. And so today we celebrated uh, Camden Lawson's baptism and confirmation, and he joined the church as a full member this morning. And so if you know Camden and his family, please reach out to him, welcome him, and congratulate him in this next step in his journey of faith. And we know that all of you as a church family will continue to love him and support him and encourage him as he grows in his faith here at Stonebridge. Also, this last week was annual conference, which is the annual meeting of the clergy and the laity from the North Texas Conference. And so you might know that United Methodist pastors are appointed to serve churches for one year at a time, only one year at a time, from July 1st typically through June 30th of each year. And so I'm happy to share with you that our bishop has reappointed your three pastors for another year of service here at Stonebridge. So we are delighted. Thank you. I know I speak for Jeff and Dale as well when I say it is our joy, it's our privilege, it's our honor to serve as your clergy, and um, it's our joy to serve with you in ministry. And so we are glad to be spending another year with the good people of Stonebridge. Another thing that happened this past week, as we've already talked about, was Vacation Bible Camp. Over 150 children were here all week long, having fun together, singing songs, eating snacks, playing games, learning about Jesus and how much Jesus loves them. But they also spent their week learning the story of Joseph. And so I decided that it would be good to focus on a piece of Joseph's story today in worship. Now, the story of Joseph is very, very long. It spans 13 chapters of Genesis. And so today I'm just going to offer a quick overview for you. We are not going to go through all 13 chapters. But Joseph was one of 12 of Jacob's sons, and we know that his father loved him the most. And so to show him his love, his father gave him a 
a coat of many colors. Good, good. You know the story. And so that made his brothers jealous, understandably. And so they wanted to get rid of him. And so they sold him into slavery. And he ended up being taken to Egypt. And he became a servant to Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. And it wasn't long before he got into some trouble with Potiphar's wife, and so he was thrown in prison. And while he was in prison, he began to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Well, Pharaoh liked that, and so he elevated him to this really high position, actually made him his second in command. And so there was a terrible famine that began to happen, and Joseph was the one that helped to prepare his country for that famine that was coming. And so his brothers came to Egypt pleading for help because they needed food and supplies as well. And so they show up, and Joseph knows who who they are, but they don't recognize him because over 20 years have passed since they last saw him when he was just only about 17. And so Joseph tests them in a few different ways, and once he determines that their hearts have been changed, he reveals his identity to them which is where the text picks up that Sandy just read for us today from Genesis 45. Now, the story has a happy ending. If you keep reading a few more chapters, you see that Joseph invites his father and his brothers and all of their families to come and join him in Egypt, and so they do. And according to Genesis, they live happily ever after. And so, certainly, this story illustrates a lot of things for us. Forgiveness, reconciliation, but I think it also demonstrates some really important aspects of who God is and how God is active in our lives. The first of those would be God surprises us. God surprises us. That's actually one of the Bible points that the kids learned this past week at Vacation Bible Camp. And so in the story, Joseph is certainly surprised to see his brothers show up. And they're also surprised to see him holding this high position of stature. They're further surprised that he didn't seek revenge on them. The text says that they were terrified because they weren't sure what he was going to do once he realized who they were. But he made peace with them, which was a surprise. Now, I will admit to you that I am not a fan of surprises. I'm not. Um, I I never really have been, probably because I like to have a plan. I like to know what's going on at all times. I don't like to be surprised. Um, I'm also very observant. I'm often told that I ask a lot of questions, and so apparently it's hard to surprise me. But I was thinking this week, I was remembering some times in my life when I really was genuinely surprised. And I remember my 16th birthday. My parents threw a huge birthday party for me when I turned 16, and I was genuinely surprised by that. That is not something I would have asked for. I typically do not really like to be the center of attention, but um, as I reflected on that many years now, later, down the road, I remember how much joy I had in simply being present in that moment with my family, with my friends, with all of those who came to celebrate that day with me. Now, I know that not all surprises are fun, Not all surprises are positive in our lives, but I wonder how much our lives, how much our faith might change and be enriched if we remain open to God's surprises in our lives. We allow ourselves to really be present in those moments when God surprises us. 
So let's think about some of those ways. What are some of the ways that God surprises us? Well, certainly in seeking fellowship with us, right? The creator of the universe wants a relationship with you and with me. That same creator God is present with us all the time. The ways that God sustains us and provides for us can sometimes feel surprising. Certainly in the ways that God calls us. Last week we finished a sermon series that was called Answering Your Call. And so we spent three weeks together talking about what does that look like for us, knowing that all of us are called by God, every single one of us. Now that alone might be a surprise to you, let alone what God might be calling you to do. One of God's greatest surprises to me was my call to ministry almost 20 years ago now. I preached my very first sermon in church when I was in the eighth grade. I was very, very active in my church, volunteering both in in high school growing up, also in college and beyond that, into adulthood. And that was a ministry that I was continuing. I was involved in a church, but y'all, I had a real job. You can laugh. Like, if I would have known then what I know now about this job. Uh, But I had a real job. I was working for a large accounting firm in Dallas. I um, was on track to move up the ladder, perhaps very quickly. But I vividly remember hearing God's call to pursue full-time ministry. And my response was something like, I'm sorry, what? You want me to do what? And leave this? I don't know that that's really the path I want to go down. I don't have time today to share my whole call story with you. Perhaps another day um, I can do that. But I will tell you this. I did a phone interview um, in the bathroom of an oil and gas client that I was working with in Houston with the SPR chair of the very first United Methodist Church that I served. The SPR is the body in the church that serves the HR function. Talk about a surprise. And so here I am. Three churches later, it has not always been an easy journey but how faithful God has been to journey with me, beside me, and how wonderful it is to be part of something bigger than myself. How is God surprising you? Are you open to being surprised by God? Because God's activity is not limited by our expectations or our desires. Thank goodness for that. God provides for us and acts in ways that we don't always expect, and nothing that we encounter, nothing that we face, is a surprise to God. God thinks on a level that's far beyond our understanding and does not work according to our logic or to the world's logic. And we can have hope for our future because God is shaping us and surprising us into beautiful things. There's actually a book from the 1980s called God of Surprises. It's written by Father Gerard Hughes. And in the book, he talks about the ways that God breaks into um, the human heart and soul with new understanding. And I love one of the things that he says in the book. He says, God has often surprised me, but God has never disappointed me. God has never disappointed me. And I think that's an important thing to remember as we consider another aspect of God's character, and that is that God can turn good from bad. Joseph tells his brothers twice in verses 5 and 7, You sold me, but you didn't send me to Egypt. You didn't do this. God is the one that sent me. In fact, one translation reads, God sent me before you to preserve life. 
you go over a few pages to the end of chapter 50, at the end of Genesis, Joseph says, you planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it. And so the story of Joseph exemplifies this idea that God does not promise to take away the possibility of pain and discomfort in our lives. But God does promise to be with us through it all. Now, there is certainly no shortage of tragedy and crisis in our world right now, in our state, for that matter. And I won't single out any one of those over another, but it does feel appropriate to take a minute to go down the road of unpacking what this text does and what it does not say to us. And I'll start by saying this. God does not, God does not cause bad things to happen. That's not how God works. And so how do we then reconcile a loving God with a world in which unspeakable evil exists? If we believe that God is involved in everything, if we believe that God is present in everything, then does that mean that God controls everything? Well, our Wesleyan beliefs in the United Methodist Church are such that God created all people to be in relationship with him, and out of deep love for humanity, God offers us a choice. A choice to respond or to reject that love. Because God wants a relationship with us. God does not want robots. And so out of love, God gives us a choice. And so having free will means that our choices affect our lives and the lives of others. Other people's choices affect our lives. And sometimes people choose poorly. But even so, God stands with us in the midst of every choice we make, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Because when we say that God is omnipresent, meaning in everything, that God is everywhere, that's true, but God does not cause pain and suffering and tragedy. Bad things happen to good people. But God is near to our our suffering and near to us. God is never absent from us. And I believe that God is good. I believe that God is good and meets us in our pain through grace, and God can transform and redeem tragedy, bringing good from bad. And so we can see and we can be God's presence in in spite of injustice, in spite of pain in our world, and we then become agents of God's love and care to other people in their times of crisis. And I believe it's a mark of Christian maturity to understand God's purpose in a way that makes room for adversity. Because, friends, life happens. Life happens, good and bad, and God does not control us, even when things feel unfair. But instead, God enters life as it is with us. And so every experience that we have is preparation for some future opportunity. God does not just redeem our souls. God also redeems our experiences. And God does that by cultivating our character, by developing our gifts, by teaching us new things that we might not have learned any other way and works our pain toward perfection. And it's true that that refining process is rarely comfortable. 
But the hope in that process is that we would become more and more like Jesus. And so I'm sure that all of us here today can say that we have had at least one less than desirable experience in life that has helped to shape us into the person we are now for the better. And so, yes, accidents and disasters, illness, moral evil, those things happen, not as a punishment. And those things, yes, they they create pain, but our suffering cannot separate us from God's love or defeat God working out his purpose in our lives because God will redeem suffering and work it for good, often our good. And so when we say that God is all-powerful, that means that God has the ability to achieve his purposes. That means that nothing can happen, nothing can happen that will ultimately defeat God. God's purposes are not thwarted by human sin, but they're advanced by it through God's grace. And so God comes and sits with us in our suffering from human frailty and works in that frailty. Because we believe that God's love is always working, always yearning and compelling people to orient themselves toward him, toward love. And so in the story that we read, Joseph is able to look upon the hardest days of his life and see God working for himself and working for all of God's people, knowing that God is writing a better story, a better story with a larger divine purpose. And so I think Joseph teaches us the importance of leaning into, of trusting our relationship with God. Because it's only then that we can see and experience God's goodness and God's faithfulness toward us. When by faith we can see God's purpose in our circumstances, when we can declare over and over, God sent me, God sent me, God sent me here. When by faith we can say, but God meant it for good. When by faith we can say, I trust you, God. I don't always understand, but I know that you're guiding me because you're still God and you are still good. It's in these times that we are instruments of God's grace, and we can only, only get there by leaning in to Jesus. So consider all of the times that God has been faithful to you in your life. God is worthy of our praise for that. On the same day this week that our Vacation Bible Camp kids learned the God is Surprising Bible point, they also learned Psalm 66, 5. And that psalm says this, Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. And that reminds me of one of my very favorite Christmas songs. It's called Noel. And part of the chorus of that song says, Come and see. Come and see what God has done. And so perhaps God's greatest surprise is a little baby. A little baby born to ordinary parents as the Savior of the world. God made flesh in Jesus Christ. This this person, this God that would bring peace and abundance and grace and hope and love and redemption. Redemption. And so trust God to surprise you with redemption. Trust God to surprise you with his goodness because you, every single one of you, carries things of God within you, holiness and kindness and grace. 
And our hope for the future is anchored in God's faithfulness in the past, but also in the strength that God gives us today. And nothing, not even difficult times, nothing goes wasted. Because Jesus desires to redeem all things. And tough seasons can be used by God to forge something good and something beautiful and something lasting. And the good news is that God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning, great is God's faithfulness to us. Great is God's goodness toward us because we know that God has a purpose. God sees the outcome. God has intention and God will not leave us the same. And so we have strength for today. We have bright hope for tomorrow. Those are God's great promises to us. And so lean into Jesus. Lean into him because he is there to hold you He's there to comfort you. He's there to encourage you. Friends, he's there to love you. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.